Thank you for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. No, no problem. Yeah, I as soon as we got off the uh, Skype last night, um, I had sent Dave a message. And he was like, well, I can't wait to hear it. I'm listening to your interview you did with um, Gareth Hopkins now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've obviously had a lot of famous uh, voices on your show. Oh, tons. And I never thought in a million years that people would take me that seriously to come on and Kirsten, Lindsay and Shannon were the first three mm-hmm. and then it just started rolling after that. I had Ollie and Vladimir Skolteni and Tetsu and Richard and Alex Rawlings, Dr. Krashen, Stuji Raj, Lydia Mahava, Susanna Savrevsky, Robert McPherson, Tim Keeley. Um, I've had Con- um, Connor Klein and um, Jimmy Mello and um, Chris Broholm, of course, and because um, I was on his show. Oh, right, right. So why are you talking to me? <laughs> you know what? It's kind of funny because you, um, I found the Lolly Glanging podcast to be interesting. Like, I've been listening to it. Yeah. And I said, you know, I like his take on language learning. It's different. And, I mean, I interviewed a lot of people and I'm one of those people where I'm very picky about who I want on my show to be in with Uh when I interview them and I like people that kind of think out the box they'll try something you know and if it works it works if it doesn't you know they're brutally honest about you know their own journey and how they do things and I mean you know I I've interviewed a lot of people but at the end of the day it's like you just you want to find someone different that kind of thinks out the box, maybe a little bit more than the rest. <laughs> oh well, I'm different. I'll give you that. <laughs> how, how did you start? Like with like, or was this something that you always wanted to do? You know, is it just well, hobby oriented? No, I think I'm the exception to the rule because everybody I've met over the last sort of five or ten years in the language sort of community they all have an interest in languages like dave who's a linguist and you know chris and and the rest of them they all sort of started with this interest in languages and they wanted to learn all the languages they could and all that but i'm the opposite i never actually wanted to learn a language i never other than programming languages i was never really interested and it wasn't until i went with my wife on my 10th anniversary to so this is 20-something years ago, so I tell you how long I've been in. Um, and I went, we went to Italy, and I didn't really know anything other than sort of hello and goodbye and thank you and please. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, we, we tried to – we were just outside of Naples, and we were trying to go to Pompeii to see the ruins and things. And I went to the train station. We got to the train station, and I ordered two tickets. I didn't know how to say tickets, but I just Pompeii and held up my finger to show the number two. So he understood what I was saying, and and I um, and then he and I didn't know any, anything, but I did understand the word lira. So he was saying blah 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 lira. So, so I took all my money out of my wallet and I handed him a bill, and he he shook his head and he pushed it back, and I went, oh okay, so obviously I'm not enough there. So I gave him another bill, a higher denomination, and he went, no no no, you know, shaking his head and blah 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 blah, blah lira. 
And I thought, I really don't know what he's saying. So I, I took all the bills and I sort of fanned them out and held them out to like, you know, pick, pick what you want sort of thing. And um, he was really getting angry, this fellow. And he, he just snatched up one of the bills and then he he slammed down his little cash drawer thing. And then he unlocked it because he was in a booth and he unlocked his door and he closed the door and he locked it back up. And he walked across the train station to another booth. And then he came back with a whole load of change. And it was only then that I figured out that, oh, he doesn't want more money. He wants less money. He wants change. And so in that, then I, I decided I really, really should learn a language before I rock up in the country. <laughs> and wow. Well, that, that kind of reminds me of when I went 21 years ago to um, Toronto, Canada for a senior trip. And I was about to graduate from high school, and uh, my mom had just passed away. And I went to Canada, and my French was not very good. I mean, it was so rudimentary, basic. Like, you know, it was the same. It was like, hello, goodbye, thank you, little stuff. And I was having problems with my key card, because it was the first time I ever used a key card to Mm -hmm. open a door. And so... I turned around and I, I was having problems and I, I used my broken French and he understood what I said. And what happened was I actually had it upside down. Oh. <laughs> and I thanked him and he went on his way. But mm. that was the first time I actually used any language other than English to communicate. Yeah. And I, I learned Spanish when I was in college because that was the only language I had at the community college I went to in Cleveland. And I did it because I needed it. Yeah. Or, you know, a degree requirement, but it wasn't the language of choice. Like I would have rather learned Italian, French, Russian, Arabic. And, um, you know, they, those were in other campuses in Cleveland and it would have took like two buses to get there. And I'm like, no. Yeah. So I, I, I found in my own way, um, a love for Spanish, but it wasn't to speak it pretty much. It was more the food, the dancing, the music. Mm. I enjoy, and yeah. I still enjoy that today, but I'm not, you know, like a lot of people in the community, the polyglot community, they love Spanish so much, it's, and I was like, yes, but that's that's not the only language that exists. <laughs> I guess because you live in the U.S., and you've got 356 languages that are spoken here, and the main two that are dominant are Spanish and English, sure. and it's just like, okay, where's everybody else? <laughs> Well, you got a lot of French. There's a lot of French. In, in, well, I, I grew up in Ohio, actually, because mm-hmm. I'm American, but I live in England. And um, and there was a lot of sort of what we used to call Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, oh, yes, there still is. And so they would speak. And I didn't really I didn't, I didn't know what language they spoke. I think it's a sort of German. I think it's German. I don't think it's Dutch. Um, but but in theory, you could learn that. Um, right. And there was I met a few uh sort of Cajun people when I lived in Georgia. Um so obviously they spoke a bit of French. Um mm-hmm. but I never really was I mean I, I was in the military. I spent two years in Okinawa and I didn't really learn any Japanese either other than, you know, where's the toilet and can I have a beer? Um that was pretty right. much it. Um so that that was pretty sad. You know, looking back I wish now uh, that I had spent a bit of time uh, you know because I had the opportunity but I didn't I didn't you know, sort of take it up. 
So I, I just let it pass. So I had two years where I could have done more or less full immersion, and I I blew it, really. I mean, nowadays you don't even have to leave your house to do full immersion. Well, that's true. I mean, that that is true. I mean, it, I because I, I spend a lot of time doing um, sort of language exchanges. Mm-hmm. When I did the polyglot gathering, one of my thing was uh, one of the speeches I did was 500 plus language exchanges. In fact, that was the one uh, that the laptop got stolen. So they didn't. They oh, didn't wow. Yeah. But but I did in four months, I did 500 plus language exchanges. So, I mean, I was doing two or three or four language exchanges a day in either French or Italian. Um, so I got a lot of practice in. Oh, that's uh, good. That, that boosts your uh, speaking and uh, listening what, comprehension. Well, it, 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 it does. But what it really boosts is your ability to sort of circumnavigate around words you don't know. Uh, oh, yes. Because you, you don't really have a choice because you're having a conversation and you, you're trying to describe something. And you don't know the word for it, so you have to describe the thing about the word that you don't know. So it really right. does make you think on your feet, and and it's because uh, I think it's a bit of a cop out if you if you're constantly saying you know how do you say in or how do you say in you know right. every every five seconds of the conversation, which is frustrating for the other person. So I would just try and. If I forgot the word, I just try and just you know. If I didn't know the word for I don't know canal, I would I would try something else. You know, boat place with (laughs) horses or something. Um, But yeah, so it's been interesting. I I only really started um, in the language community as well. I did a long time ago. I run. uh, I was on howtolearnanylanguage.com as a member. And then there was problems with that site. And because I'm an IT guy, I set up another site, um, which I administer at the moment, called forum.language-learners.org, which your listeners Mm -hmm. may be familiar with. Um, And we have like 12,000 members who are all learning all kinds of different languages. And um, there are people there that speak 20 or 30 languages. You know, it's it's just amazing. I am not one of the, the clever ones. You know, I'm the sort of I'm the sort of poster child for, well, if you work hard enough, you can almost speak the language. (laughs) If you know three words in a language, you're better off than somebody that knows zero. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm not too bad. I mean, I do have conversations with Italian and French people sort of weekly. Mm -hmm. So I'm not so bad. I mean, you know, I'm not. I'm not as bad as I was, but I find I find myself I struggle to get to a high language because, you you know, in uh, in the European rating, the C level, C1 and C2, I'm not I'm not there, you know, but I think that just takes so much more time and effort. Um, It's about a good because I did Russian five years ago and that was like my fourth language I learned. Oh, crikey. Uh, Well, I mean, I learned Spanish in, in academia. I learned American Sign Language um, when I was five. Yeah. English is my first language. So when I look at it, I don't remember 90% of the sign language I used to know. But if I need to pull out the basics, I can at least still do that. Yeah. Um, but 
I became fluent in Spanish because all I did was listen to music all day and sing. Right. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I understand German because I listened to Rammstein for over 20 years. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not, for me, I guess my motivation is that I like to learn. And so I tell people all the time, you know, I don't see any language as difficult. And, you know, I think that's a psychological uh, mindset issue that people have. Like, they're just, they, they hear Mandarin and Arabic and, oh, my God. And I'm like, no, it's not as difficult as you think it is. Yeah, I think <laughs> every language is difficult in its own way. And some are easier in their own. You know what I mean? They sort of, right. like, like, uh, like Mandarin, yeah, the tones are really, that takes a lot of getting used to and the characters and all that. But their grammar is really straightforward. Like, you right. know, verbs don't change. So, right. oh, yeah. you know, there, there's some things that are really easy and some things are really difficult. And for for somebody who knows Mandarin learning English, you know, the fact that the spelling is inconsistent and the pronunciation doesn't match right. up always. And, you know, right. so every language is sort of a mixed bag, really. Right. I, I guess because I come from... Uh I want to speak and underst- be understood, and I want to understand what someone's saying more so I need to write this out. Yeah. Because in the real world, unless you're sitting on a tablet, a computer, or a mobile phone, that's the only reason you're going to be writing something down in a target language. Yeah. If you're I- having a conversation with somebody, they don't have time for you to worry about if your grammar is stellar. They don't care, because in real life, you don't even talk like that. So why put yourself in that amount of pressure to be perfect? Because I, I teach um, ESL learners from other countries, and I notice that with them. They want to be perfect. And I was like, there's no such thing. Oh, exactly. In fact, I, I do this podcast about learning, and um, my tagline is, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be better than yesterday. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's no point worrying about being perfect because you're never going to get there. But as long as people understand you and you're gradually getting better and correcting the mistakes that you are making, then you'll get there in the end. I mean, it took me two and a half years to get to a very high level in Russian. And all I did was speak and do a lot of listening. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of listening. Well, I mean, I didn't mind doing that because I had Russia Today channel on my uh, AT&T subscription, cable subscription. So I popped that sucker on. From right. 6 a.m. to midnight. And I just let it be in the background. And then one day I woke up and I was like, oh, I can understand what these people are saying because I've been sitting here. Li- yeah, I mean, I listen to podcasts. Um, I listen to a lot of TV shows where they interact with the audience, which is a great way to um, get vocabulary from people in general. A lot of press conferences is a good way to get, you know, information. Because you're actually listening to how they speak as opposed to a textbook. I never used a textbook to learn Russian whatsoever. Like, I used Michelle Thomas. I used um, Memorize. I used um, Russian Pot 101. um, And I used um, RT. Um, What else did I use? RT. I subscribed to a couple people's podcasts because I liked how they were doing things. And Radio Roca was a podcast, political podcast, Radio Swoboda. Mm. Um, 
do you, you find know, podcasts difficult? Do you find podcasts difficult? Like, no. you know, so you're an auditory learner anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, I find I speaking or, or listening audio, audio, comp- audio comprehension, um, oral comprehension rather, um, I find that quite difficult um, in pretty much every language because uh, native speakers don't really slow down when they're on a podcast because they're not speaking, or at least they don't assume they're speaking, to a learner, you know. So they're right. speaking full speed, you know, machine gun fire, rapid fire. I like it that way. All right. Because in reality, we don't speak like that. No, no. And and I that slow the slow Spanish slow Russian um, site that they got where you can learn the stuff like it's like two minutes. Yeah, and like slow news and I, I cannot stand those. They they just I want to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, but I I used to have a Russian boyfriend, so. This is what I did to help him with his his English. We would have a conversation in English, but he spoke so much English with people every day that when we would get on the phone, we would speak in nothing but Russian because he understood I wanted to um, improve my Russian. Now, yes, does my grammar suck? Oh, yeah. Am I still understood by a lot of Russians? Yeah. Were Russians the first people to welcome me into the community for the polyglots? Of course. Well, you know, I tried to get an Italian girlfriend, but my wife wasn't keen on the idea, so that didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I knew I was fluent when I was having like a three-hour conversation with my um, ex-boyfriend's mother. Oh yeah. Spoke no English, and I love that because if you, it forces you to use all the information you've ever learned. In a conversation. I mean, I had her laughing about what I was cooking, and I was showing her what I was cooking and describing it and telling her what, what was in it and everything. It's great when you get to that level, isn't it? And then you can sort of interact with people and, and you know, I mean, that, I, that's that's the best part, really. That's, that's the bit I like, when you can actually talk to someone. And even if it isn't great, you know, like if you're right. making mistakes and you're right. missing out words and whatever, it's still great because mostly they understand you. I mean, right. even if it's an English speaker, you, you run into to people who don't speak English perfectly. And 99% of the time you understand what they're saying. They may exactly. say, you know, bus is where. Well, you know what they mean. You know, they Where's haven't. The yeah, they haven't said it grammatically correct, but you get the meaning. Um, right. So. So I'm I'm not a perfectionist in any by any stretch of the imagination, and I think you should just go for it. Oh uh, yeah, like like right now I'm taking a break from learning any languages for about a month because since April I've learned the beginnings of like nine different languages just because I was reviewing them for my show yeah. for the Michelle Thomas method. So because I'm working with them as an affiliate um, uh, marketer for uh, them, and I'm. My brain was just gone. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's just, I I can't be, I don't really understand how people can do many multiple languages at the same time. I mean, I've, I say that because I'm, but I'm doing French and Italian and Mandarin, but French and Italian for me are sort of a higher level. So I don't really, it's not really a, 
a full on doing it all the time. It's more of a sort of read a few books and listen to people and have conversations. Whereas Mandarin is actual open a book and study and look at it type of thing. But I know people that, that, you know, are doing like six languages at one time. And you think, (laughs) your brain must be. For most of the languages that I've been studying lately in the past five months is because I'm reviewing them for my show. So I'll take the course Mm. and I'll go through the entire thing and I'll learn as much as I can and analyze the grammar and and how they did it, you know, for, you know, technical reasons. And, you know, it's because I'm I'm doing this as a podcast episode. But I'm also, you know, getting paid every time someone buys the course. So, um, you know, I'm doing this and, you know, I'm learning a lot about each of these languages. And then I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I will never speak these languages. You know, I and I know this, but this is a good thing because I'm learning about someone else's culture for like yeah. two weeks, three weeks tops. And, well, you know, um, never say never because you might run across somebody and, right. you know, in a, in a taxi cab and they, you know. They right. speak Urdu or something, and you think, hey, I know, hello, in Urdu. Right. Oh, which, yeah. Which languages did you go through, if you don't mind my asking? Irish. Uh-huh. Um, Korean. Right. Um, Swedish and Norwegian. Uh-huh. Modern Standard Arabic. Right. Egyptian Arabic. Right. Intermediate Dutch. Right. Foundation Mandarin. Right. Um, let's see what else did I go through. Um, well, I also went through their Hindi, their Japanese, their Italian. Right. Um, their sweet. Yeah, I said Swedish. Um, I still have a few more courses left to do for now, like their French. Oh, I did their Russian a long time ago. Um. But, I mean, there's a few more I still need to review, like they're Polish, they're Spanish, um, huh. they're Portuguese, um, they're Greek, they're French. Um, yeah, so I've done them, a lot of them already. Yeah. I think there's, like, six of them left or something like that. I mean, but, I mean, I've done, like, the foundation course, the intermediate course, if they had a vocabulary builder. Um, and I will say this, like, my method of madness is if I'm really into it, like Japanese, I did the Japanese foundation course. I did it all in seven hours. I hmm. took maybe one hour break and I did like the first three and a half hours. And then I did the last three and a half hours. And then I went and threw up a video of everything that I had acquired in that seven hours. And just because I wanted to get feedback from people and I got like over 500 views oh, that's just cool. based off, off of that. And people are like, how do you do this? And I was like, well, a lot of it's concentration, but do not underestimate the fact that I will fall asleep. <laughs> you know, and depending on what time of the day it is, depending on how much concentration I will actually be able to put into it. So if it's the earlier in the morning and the later at night, the better off I am. Did you, um, that reminds me, like, you know, did you see the, so I did a presentation this year at the Polygot Gathering. Did you see that online? Any of it? Oh, what was it the one about? It was listening and reading method. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. So, because that reminds me, like what you're saying, reminds me of the of the example that lady did um, that I gave uh, who did Italian, 
And she didn't know any, she was German, but she didn't know any Italian, but she was going to Italy. And she just focused on it for like six or seven hours at the weekend. So mm-hmm. reading the book in her native language while listening in Italian, like to get an instant translation, and then just basically mm-hmm. focusing on that. So that so, sort of reminded me when you were saying that about, um, you know, just immersing yourself in it for hours and hours at a time until the language just starts popping up in your head, you know, without right. you even trying right i mean and i did that with dutch like i i did it with foundation dutch and you you know of jan van der Ar from language boost right yeah yeah okay well i was listening to one of his videos and on youtube of him speaking in dutch and i can understand 90 percent of it but because dutch is a germanic language so is english it's very similar the words are very similar the pronunciation isn't that difficult I picked it up real quick. I did uh, when I was. I said to one of my friends who's who's Dutch. I said to him, "Oh, I'm thinking about learning Dutch because they said that's the easiest language for a, an English speaker to learn. Like, so you know, I, is Dutch really easy to learn?" And he said, "Yeah, it's really easy if you're Dutch." <laughs> oh, okay. So maybe it's not as easy as I think. Um, I, I've had people, I've spoken to people in Dutch and they're like, your Dutch is good. I mean, like after just doing the foundation, I also listen for the accent. Yeah. And the one thing about the Michelle Thomas method, the difference between the foundation and intermediate course is that the foundation course is the Northern accent. The, the intermediate course is the Southern. All right. So they have two different teachers, one from the North and one from the South of, of, the Netherlands. And it's a, really not as hard as people think. I did, I did use Michelle Thomas when I first started Italian. Um, and I did the whole, like the whole seven hour one. I can't remember yeah, which one. The, the foundation, yeah. Yeah. And I did, I bought the advanced. I did that one as well. But the one I actually found most useful, they had one, it's called Vocabulary Builder, I think, or something yes. like that. Yes, I have that. I have the whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I did that one not for Italian, but for French. And there was a, there was a lady who did that one and she was amazing. And like they had, they had two sort of French speakers, a male and a female to do mm-hmm. the words. Cause obviously they're a bit of it. it you say it differently. Some sentences mm-hmm. different if you're female than you do if you're male. Anyway, right. um, that was amazing. That, I mean, that one was that I, I highly recommend that one. For if you're doing French, that vocabulary builder one is amazing. It's really, really good. You know, it's funny you say that because I have the whole Michelle Thomas French, uh-huh. the foundation, the intermediate, and the um, vocabulary builder, but it's all with him doing it. Oh, is it? All right. Now, this was, or maybe I've, I've, I may, it might not be the vocabulary builder. It might have been a, a different one. But it was, um, Anyway. I know they updated them since then. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it would have been the updated version. Because it was this, I think she's English, so the English-sounding lady and two French native speakers. But anyway, that one was really, really good. So, yeah, I, I the Michelle Thomas thing is, is quite good. Yeah, I mean, because I have almost all of their languages um, mm. since I've been reviewing them for them, and I'm going to be doing it again next year for another year, starting in September, and People have bought the courses and stuff. Um, 
me recommending because someone asked me that I review all of them yet. And I was like, no. But I will say <laughs> I've stepped out of my comfort zone because I didn't think I was going to be taking learning any Mandarin whatsoever because I had learned Cantonese using the Mango app. Yeah. And and I did that basic Cantonese. And after six weeks of learning it, I was able to pick up the phone and order food and give my address, telephone number, all that type of stuff. And what was ironic was that the chick that took my order spoke Mandarin and I was speaking Cantonese and she understood what I was saying. And she was so impressed that I had learned what I had learned in six weeks, you know. Well, I was was sort of the opposite because I went to uh, in the UK, I went to this Chinese restaurant and I thought I was going to be clever. And I I said something in Mandarin and they just looked at me like, well, I didn't understand what I was talking about. And I worked out that they spoke Cantonese, not Mandarin. Right. Just, they were all sort of from Hong Kong and stuff. And they, they were like, mm, don't do Mandarin, sorry. <laughs> right. Like, Crap. I, and, and that was the first Asian language I was able to, like, absorb real quickly. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, I like this. And then I did some Japanese. Um, and I did I did some Thai. And I went to a Thai restaurant, ordered some food in Thai. I learned how to order food in Thai like 20 minutes in the car with a friend of mine because she was driving me there. Right. And I walked in there, paid homage to Buddha, and then I went up in there. And, and I'm not even Buddhist, by the way. I'm not denominational. But right. uh, I went and I, I started speaking Thai and ordering in, in Thai. And this chick was like, hey, how would you like to come to our temple and start practicing Thai? I'm like, hey. <laughs> you know, oh, that's so, cool. So, you know, I, I always tell people in the community all the time, don't wait to use your language. Go out there and, and, and order some food. Go to a grocery store. You know, practice. Because I, if I'm using it for my life mm. and, and, and my daily life, the things I do in English, I want to be able to do the same thing in the target language from which I'm learning. Yeah so, yeah. so, I mean, I want to make it that much a part of me. Like right now, I'm really into Arabic and Levantine Arabic and Egyptian Arabic in particular, because I have a lot of friends here. Yeah. And um, we speak and I've learned how to make like a whole bunch of Lebanese food. And I, I've switched from an American diet to a, a Middle Eastern diet and bought spices. And I mean, I re- re- started my own cooking co- podcast because of it. Um Oh, that's so, nice. That's cool. So, have you ever had? To, have you ever had like? So one of the things I had a problem with was um, like I went to I went to Paris and I went with my wife and my sister who came over to visit, mm-hmm. and we all went into this uh, sort of cafe, mm-hmm. and and they all pushed me out front because I go, you speak French, so off you go. <laughs> um, so the. The two ladies at the counter were asking me questions in French, and I was trying to respond to them in French, but then my wife and my sister are talking to me in English, and my brain was like, what's going on? I don't understand. Stop, stop. So, um, yeah, so I was really, I was really, like, my brain just seemed to shut down. I couldn't even speak English because I was so confused because I had two people speaking to me in, in one language, which I understood right. what they were saying, and two people speaking to me in another language, and I understood what they were saying, but my brain just went, it just froze up. It just went, uh, uh. I did that once. I had decided, like an idiot, to try to study Korean last year using the Mango app, because it was only 10 chapters long. <laughs> I was in a Korean beauty store, and I said, oh, so where are you from? And they was like, Korea. I was like, the box. 
And he was like, you speak Korean? And I couldn't even say nothing else after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's happened to me. It just, sometimes it just, it just freezes up and it don't work and your brain just gives in. Right. And then my aunt was like, well, I thought you spoke this. And they said, do you understand the fact that she even just said cool and freaking dag on or awesome and freaking, uh, and, and Korean is a big deal? I'm like, I mean, but, you know, I I wasn't ready for it like I wanted to be. I was all over the place. I mean, I was studying some Greek. I was studying some Finnish because I got inspired by uh, Professor Arguelles. Yeah. And he went to to Finland for like three to four months, and I was watching his journey on on YouTube. And I'm like, ooh. And I was like, Mina Alan Chanel, you know. Yeah, I tried. To, I had a go at Finnish. I think the only thing I can remember is Imanin, uh, Wonder Woman, but because I was watching this like uh, Batman cartoons, you know, mm-hmm. the, the sort of stop action Lego Batman thing. Yeah. And I was watching the Finnish version of it, and I think the only thing I can well, Batman was just Batman, um, but Imanin was Wonder Woman. So I remember Imanin, but the rest of it, I just even counting, I gave up on. Finish is really difficult. You know, it's funny. I bought five Harry Potter Finnish ebooks, and I told myself I will get back to that because I spent money, mm. and I want to be able to, you know. And and I did it just because people kept saying how difficult it was, and I wanted to prove everybody wrong. <laughs> nah, it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, but see, because I'm not learning the writing system, and I'm not learning how to read it. Well, I mean, I've, I've had a go at a lot of languages. So, like, I've I've had a go at um, right. Czech, because because um, I haven't tried that one yet. <laughs> Czech and Slovakian. I was going to do Czech because I went to Prague a lot, and we were, and the gathering was in Czech and uh, Bratislava, so they they sort of similar. But mm-hmm. the case system just blew my mind, and I I gave up. So I give up easily. Um, <laughs> I gave I tried Finnish, I gave up on that. Um I I'm I'm doing Botswana, I want to pick that back up. Um Setswana, which mm-hmm. is language of uh, Botswana and a bit of South uh, South Africa. Um mm-hmm. but I wanna I wanna go back to that one, but I've sort of put that on hold for a bit while I'm doing the Mandarin thing. Because um, just like I say, I'm I'm not one of these clever people that can do a bazillion languages at the same time. I have to sort of you know, focus a bit. See, I like to focus on now. If, if the language is going to be easy for me, like if it's similar to another language I already know, then it won't take me long to pick it up. But I have to want to use it every day. That's the first thing. And then, like right now, I I told myself I'm going to go back to uh, um Arabic as soon as I finish uh with the Mandarin courses next month, uh-huh. I'm going to go back full-time to Arabic. I mean, I, I have Arabic music I've, I've bought and I listen to. I have Al Jazeera Arabic, BBC Arabic, uh, Netflix. Uh-huh. I fell in love with El Heba, and uh, which is a Lebanese drama. And it's a Ramadan drama because they have like 30 episodes. So it's like an episode every day yeah. for the whole day, month of Ramadan. Yeah. But the the whole I did it with English subtitles season one. It took me four days to get through the whole thing, and I literally was just, you know, completely. Do Do you use any sort of the um, 
resources like FSI, you know, the, um, uh, What's FSI stand for? Foreign oh, Service. Foreign Service Institute. Uh, and, and the DLI, Defense Language Institute stuff. I, you, I tried that back in the beginning when I was doing Russian, but then I found other things that were a little bit easier for me because some of it was just so. Yeah, they so, do a lot of drills, um, audio sort of speaking drills. Yeah, and... um. Because I was doing the Memorize, I did like six years out of the seven for the Russian. And then I I did some Pimsleur, but it was slow. But I, I, I went back to Michelle Thomas so much because of the grammar aspect of it. I got yeah. like all the vocabulary and how, you know, all the indirect and direct object pronouns and all that type of stuff and the endings and all that. But when it came down to certain endings, certain cases, it was like, you know. Uh-huh. So I I did that, but then I just did a lot of listening to stuff that I enjoyed. I focused on, I didn't even count words or how many phrases or nothing like that because I just went head on. Um, yeah. And like I started out with Russian Made Easy podcast by Mark Thompson, and I went through that. That took a week and a half. And I learned a, you know, a nice little bit, and then I was hooked. Then I signed up with Russian Pop 101, which I did for a whole year. And But then I kind of left that and went to Michelle Thomas, and I, I enjoyed it. So I bought the whole thing, which I have still. And I'll go, I went back with that so much. Well, especially the intermediate and the vocabulary builder. Uh-huh. I sold in the, the foundation because I had that already now. And then I just incorporated um you know a lot of the podcast a lot of the memorized stuff now there's a lot of words that you probably will never use well yeah you know but i mean i did all five thousand of the osimil uh, russian off of the memorize app and i did like year one year two year four five six and seven year three i really didn't need because you know by this time i'm sitting here listening to putin speak all day Especially his four-hour state-to-state speeches. And and when you can sit there and start understanding what he's saying, what his the people that work around him are talking about, people on the street. Uh, Plus, I had friends that I would speak Russian with constantly. So I I just had it in my ear 24-7. Yeah, it sounds like you do a lot of immersion, actually. Yes, I do. And, you know... People wonder, how do you do it? I was like, well, I mean, I am legally blind, so I do have residual vision, but not enough to be able to read print anymore. I Mm. used to, but I, you know, I I look at it as I reading and writing is a way to get information out. Mm. And I, I did that already. So that's not a big deal for me. I'm more, let's go and um, have a conversation. Well, I I don't want to. I had this hard, I had an argument on our forum about this really once upon a time and somebody came up with a really good point because somebody was saying, oh, you can't really learn a second language without reading and, and writing it. And, but the, the, the counter argument, which I thought was very valid was, well, there are a lot of people who are native speakers who are illiterate. They cannot read, they cannot write, but they can, you know, they're native language speakers. So you can right. learn to speak. Right language without reading without having to write 
you know. And I, I think what people fail to realize is when I'm referring to reading and writing, I'm, re- I'm referring to reading and writing print. Right. So I, as long as I know the alphabet, I know the numbers and all that type of stuff, I can still be able to read. Yeah. You know, I still can get the information. Like, I never took Spanish Braille or French Braille or Russian Braille, but mm. because I know the alphabet, I can read and write. Right. But I choose not to. Um, if it's a print thing, I'll just buy the ebook. Well, see, um, the thing is, you really you would struggle with Mandarin, I think, wouldn't you? Um, because they have audio. No, that's what I'm saying. You'd be all right with the audio. I'm not. You'd be fine with the audio. Right. But I'm I mean, saying there, as far there, there as is, print goes, there is, there is, you can download the actual digital keyboards on your phone right. and you can learn the pinyin that way right. um, um, because there's a lot of totally blind people that learn Mandarin and Japanese and they actually do learn the braille code to those because you're learning the tones and as long right. as you know the tones you won't you won't have that big of a problem because right. I mean, there is I mean they got blind people over there so they do have the braille code I mean they have it for Cantonese Japanese Thai but trust me, I really don't feel like going and trying to learn 10,000 characters. Oh, yeah. yeah so, for I me personally, I... even if it, it's a basic level of, of Mandarin, I'm fine with that. I'm not... Yeah, but I'm saying you don't need to read and write to, right. to be able to speak Mandarin, you know. Right. Right, so, but I know plenty of people where if they go over there, they're prepared because they actually didn't learn how to, you know, oh, yeah. be, because of text-to-speech software and stuff like that, like for the PC, JAWS for Windows, NVDA, Linux, that, hmm. you know, JAWS for Windows, you got to buy, that's like $1,000, but the <laughs> other two are open source, and you can download those for free, but, you know, they have all the languages and stuff like that, too that you can download the voices for and be able to do it. Plus, if you have a Braille display, you which not everybody does, but for the ones that can afford it, or mm. the state buys them their display, then yeah. you, you would be able to read in that language, the print that's on the screen, and be able to pop up in that Braille code for that language. And that's great, but you still got to be able to Teach yourself the alphabet and teach yourself, you know, the, the Braille code, which yeah. isn't, you know, for them, it might not be difficult because if they're motivated to learn the whole language, reading and writing, they'll do it. You know, a lot of it, um, like, for instance, a lot of people put their stuff in PDF format. So now yeah. if it's PDF format, I use Apple product. So voiceover isn't going to read that PDF format in that language because you have to go to accessibility. Well, you got to go to settings. Then you got to go to accessibility. Then you got to go to voiceover. Then you got to go to Braille. Then you got to go to Braille table. Then you got to select the language. Yeah. Then once you select the language, then you'll have that that print that Braille table with all the the characters and stuff in Braille digitally. Then you go out of that. Then you go to speech. Then you select the speech for that language. Then you go to keyboard and you select the keyboard for that language. 
And then if you have a book, an ebook in that language, then that's when voiceover will read it because you didn't done all those steps. Yeah, it sounds like too much, far too much hassle. Actually, it's not because with Apple, they've made it, everything, it's all free. So Mm. it's, it's not as hard to do it. It's just, you know, I mean, five years ago when I was starting out, they didn't have all that. So I had to do everything in my power to find stuff. And and materials were very hard. People thought because I lived in the U.S., I had an abundancy of, you know, resources. And that's not the case, you know, because not everything is in French, Italian, Spanish, German. You know, I mean, those are the main ones. Yeah, we we tend to call them the figs. Right. (laughs) French, Italian. German, Spanish, figs. Yeah, and so for that, you know, okay, you're not talking about Turkish, you're not talking about Russian, you're not talking about Mandarin or Cantonese or Thai or Japanese, Vietnamese, Indonesian, Hindi, Arabic. Mm. When you're not talking about these languages, even though they're they're very important languages in the world, but they're not as accessible as the other ones Mm. and i was like well yeah that's great but what about if you're not interested in that what about if you want to (laughs) you want to know turkish and persian and you know aramaic and you know i yeah it was hard at first to find the stuff and i mean i was lucky because people were very helpful but like I tell people, you know, when you have technology problems, your phone is outdated, you know, you only can upgrade it so far. Um, you know, you have to save up money to buy a, a Bluetooth keyboard that you can use to type with, you know, and a lot of people either understood that or they were just very rude. Um, I've had certain polyglots, I well, a certain polyglot I won't mention, um, troll me. Yeah. Um, you know, because this person assumed that I was, you know, a fraud or that I, because I had a vision problem that I wasn't, you know, smart enough. Now, mind you, I have a college education behind mm-hmm. me. I have a couple of degrees and a teacher certification. So it's not like I've never worked, paid taxes and so forth and so on. But, you know, how people can be, especially if you go to an Ivy League school, they, mm-hmm. a lot of people like to act elitist and, you know, I know it all. Well, not necessarily. No one knows everything. Oh, I, mean, I know. Not... There it is. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I've dealt with that. And I've dealt with, like, you know, people being verbally abusive and very rude and nasty. And especially in polyglot groups. And uh, I had to remove myself. That's how bad it got. And uh, because the more people you have in a group uh, following a particular person or persons, mm. you know, it becomes out of control. Yeah. Typical people who'd have them. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I I created my own group and um, I help people that are disabled and non-disabled with their language learning and they seem to enjoy it. I have a very small group, but I don't mind that because when you get down to like 20,000, 30, 40,000 people, it's like 
You can't keep track of all that. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's far too many people. <laughs> oh, well, I know Jimmy Mello's group is over 40K. Really? Yeah. And Ollie's is almost at 20K. Yeah, I think me and Dave, are, we've got two people now, so I think you're a third. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, personally, it's like I try to educate the community about more accessibility because I feel that if we're all going to be a part of a group that likes languages, if you're going to produce uh, material in print, mm. make sure that the format isn't just PDF. Make sure it's rich text format for the Mac and TXT for Windows. Because a lot of people cannot, their screen readers cannot read PDF. You have to go through hoops in order to be able to do that. And some people don't have that. You know, they can't just download Braille tables. And well, I think the, the thing, most the reason most people do PDF is because you get the formatting um, is consistent. You know what I mean? It's always the right. same format. So I can right. see the attraction of it from a, from a, from a, just a general use point of view that right. if I produce this as PDF, then I know that my columns will be the same, that the tables will align, you know, right. all that sort of stuff. But I do right. take the point that, um, it's very difficult if you want to change that into something else. So, I mean, for example, um, like I, I, I did a, a while back, um, sort of uh, Project Gutenberg books, you know, the public domain. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I wanted to do flashcards, for example. So, so luckily with Project Gutenberg books, you can take the text file in French and the text file in English and you can sort of merge up, you know, you can, you can make sort of parallel text or you can, right. uh, you can make flashcards and things out of them because they're text files. But you right. wouldn't be able to do that if you do if you if you only had PDFs. You, right. There's just no way that you would be able to to make a sort of a language, you know, right. parallel text thing. Well, you could, but it wouldn't be easy. <laughs> First, you have right. to convert it to text. I I mean I I have brought that up to Ollie Richards. I said, you know, I would love to have gotten one of your courses. Hmm. But okay, if it's all going to be in PDF, I'll, I'm not spending three hundred dollars. Yeah, because you you just you gotta you gotta go with what you can use, really. Right. That's, that's the and problem. I mean, I I, lo- I love his format. I love the way that he does it. Mm. That's what you know. But it, yeah. And he's like, I will take that under consideration because I understand, you know, blah blah blah. Well, the, 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 then there's the other thing. Always, if you're selling something, is you have to. You, you, you sell to the eighty percent of people, not the twenty percent. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, there's I, the eighty twenty rule. I, I understand right. from a commercial point of view, right. like Asamil, for example, may or may not produce a Braille version. They well, might. Really, you, would, you wouldn't sure. need a Braille. You wouldn't need a Braille version because if you have an ebook and it's an ebook format, or it's in, um. You know, a form, you know, a print format that the the actual display can pick it up in written in the language, mind you. Yeah, yeah. Not not translated from Google Translate. Um, you, what do you? How do? How does that? Sorry to interrupt you there, but what, how does that work with mixed text? So if you're using like an Asimil book, right? So right. You're, you've got a. It's it, the text is in 
well, let's say you're learning French, so it's it's right. French please or whatever. So the majority of the of the text is in English, right. but then there'll be whole sections of it that are in French because they're teaching you French. How how does that work with your um world stories? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, okay, I can tell you this much from what I I learned it when when I learned Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. The whole book was in the whole book was in Spanish Braille. Right. The, oh. the, the whole book. Um, now, what they did was they had the audio. Right. They had it in, uh, like, the audio um, uh, cassette um, for your, your talking books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would put that in, and then I would listen to it, and then I would follow along with the Braille. Right. And they would have the, the English part, in English, and then they have the Spanish part. Right. And then I would sit there and I would go through the entire lesson, and then of course I would go and call mm-hmm. the the number I needed to call, mm-hmm. and put in my code for my particular professor, and I would do the entire test verbally in Spanish. Right. Over the phone, and then save it, and then she would send me my grade via email. Right. So that was the first time I did a a, a, a book like that. Um, yeah. I will say that because Braille is much more larger in scope because okay, you have an eighty call eighty eight by eleven page piece of paper. Uh-huh. Cut that cut that in half. That's two that's two Braille pages. So right. for every one print page is two Braille pages. So if you right. have a two hundred and seventy two page book. Then you'll have 459 Braille pages. All right. So, which would be like, so it would be like three books of Braille for one book of print. Right. And so the more, the bigger the book, the more pages it is. So I, I'm just going to use this as a prime example. You read George R. R. Tolkien's um, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Yeah. That's five books in Braille. Oh, yeah. So, so a lot of it is um, they will have it in 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 that in that Braille format, but I haven't seen where me personally, I haven't seen where part of it was in unified English Braille, and then the other part was in French. I haven't seen that yet, but I can find that out. That's no, no I'm, I'm I'm just interested that how would you you know from as a as a language learner. You're right. obviously going to have that, and you're starting out. They're going 90, to be mixed up a bit. Ninety percent of the blind people that I know that have learned languages and studied languages, basically all they did, they learned the alphabet, they learned their numbers, of course, because you got to know all that type of stuff. But they actually learned how to speak the language mm-hmm. first. You know, and I mean, they learned all the grammar and all of that. And once they learned the alphabet, they were able to teach themselves the actual Braille code for that particular language depending on what that language was um and because they're blind there's like 300 million blind people worldwide yeah um and so that's a very small population to the 7 billion people Hmm. that live on earth but for the western population that are able to be educated Hmm. um you depending on what country you're in Hmm. If it's not like New Zealand, Australia, the UK, you know, 
like Nigeria, South Africa, Canada, the U.S., um, you know, you're able to get a, a good education. Yeah. But there's certain places like Afghanistan where you don't get no education. Iran yeah. where, no, you can forget. Because yeah. they see blindness and disability as, you know, culturally, you don't exist. Right, right. You can't get married. You can't vote. You can't be educated. You, you're not even allowed to use the Internet. Mm. So, I mean, people have been killed for that. So, um, a lot of people, you know, they learn osmosis, just like in China, they yeah. might not be able to read or write, but they, they can communicate, you know, they just speak, yeah. Yeah. speak. So, um, but I haven't personally, I have not done the dual book where you have English and the other language on yeah. that. So, but I, I've I've mostly done like memorize app. Um, I've done everything that's pretty much auditory or free. Yeah. So I haven't like, I mean, the only class I took was conversational Spanish one and two, and it was in Braille with audio, and that was how I how I did it. But that was because I already had Spanish like twelve years prior to that, so I knew what I was doing, and I did not have all I had was a print book. And the compact disc. And this was 20 years ago. So before the internet was really jumping, before you had any type of social media, you know, I just had two tutors, three teachers, and a whole bunch of music in Telemundo. And that was it. I mean, that's that's a really interesting story because, you know, I, got, I meet a lot of people who say, oh, you know, I need I need more books. I need to study this. I need to do that. But but actually, you just you just need to get out there and and learn to speak and understand the language. Right. You don't necessarily have to read and write. I mean, I I don't think I I don't think I ever write anything to anybody in French or Italian. And on the odd occasion when I do, I almost always get it wrong. Um, you know, and that's normal, though. Like, people think that they're supposed to be fluent in writing. And, oh, I have all these books with all these notes in, in this language, in this color ink. And I was like, I remember that. Yeah, no, you, that's that. never going to happen because you get what you do. You know what I mean? You you are right. what you repeatedly do. So right. if, you, if you're if you a professor and of French, uh, you know, sort of linguistics or whatever, or or – you know, um, and you and you're just writing all the time in French back and forth to people. Then your right. writing in French is going to be perfect, but your pronunciation may be really bad. Right. Uh, I mean, but my, I when I try and write in French, for example, I invariably get it wrong because I don't spell it the way it sounds. <laughs> right. Because French, like English, just the way it sounds is not necessarily a good indicator of, of how it's spelt. Exactly. Um, and so I, I get it wrong quite a bit because I'm just trying to spell it phonically, you know, I'm just trying to, well, that's right. how it sounds. So that must be how it is, but it's not. Um, and then I read words and I look at it and I think, crikey, what's that? I don't understand what that is. And then I look it up and go, oh, I don't understand that word, but it's pronounced, you know, blah. Right. So well, you know, it's funny because that's the first thing I work on when I'm learning a language. If it's not something that I already know how to pronounce. Or like the language that I've never learned before, I dove straight for the pronunciation side of it just so I know the different sounds. Mm. Um, 
but I studied theater acting in, in college, in film as well. So right. I, for me, it's like, you know, throwing myself into Italian and being able to have an Italian accent and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and to do, you know, I can pick that, I picked that up very quickly. And um, a lot of it's just listening. Yeah. And I think 90% of language learners, especially they're foreign. Yeah. And they're not from the U.S. or the U.K. or wow. they, it, that is the most difficult part for them is that the, the listening because they're not exposed. Yeah. I mean, like if you ever like people from Sweden, like every Swedish person I've ever met speaks pretty much perfect English. Um, but the vast majority of them in Sweden, they don't sort of um they don't dub movies or TV or anything. So if you watch a TV show in English, an English TV show or American show, it's it, it. They just show you the American. You might get a subtitle, you know, um, but generally they just show it to you. And if you don't understand the language, well, then you better figure it out. So, um, so, so they get even as young children, they get a lot of immersion, like you're talking about, where right. they're just constantly listening. Um, you know, so if they're watching Bugs Bunny, they're watching it in, in English. They're not watching it in Swedish. You know, it's not dubbed over or changed. You know, if they're watching um, any sort of cartoon or film or whatever, then it's in the language which it came. So if it's if it was a French film, then it's in French, um, you know. And I think uh, there's been some studies in Europe, uh, countries that dub versus ones that don't. And invariably, the ones that don't have a higher rate of of multilingual speakers. Right. So it's, it's, so what you're saying really resonates with me because a lot of people, you know, worry that they have to write or they have to be able to read or whatever, but that comes know, later. Yeah. There's lots of illiterate people that can speak and understand right. and you can teach them how to read and write. Right. Well, see, that's the thing. I found that after I finished learning the language to a high level i can already read and write because i know the language I'm yeah exactly to search for this and, and 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 like i do believe in stephen Crashman's comprehensible input mm. i i had the opportunity to interview him last year which was amazing yeah. and you know i said i also find things when i'm learning a language i find topics that i'm interested in what to know about you yeah. know now right now i'm watching al Heba on netflix and it's a lebanese um drama it's like 30 episodes long so it's a ramadan drama uh-huh. and i had the english subtitles on because my arabic isn't that strong so i watched that whole thing it took me four days but i was so hooked with it you know i'm still talking about it now you know i finished it yeah like yeah, yeah i mean that's the thing isn't it? it's interesting i mean i watched and then in the UK, they occasionally show this show called Inspector Montalbano. It's actually Commissario Montalbano in Italian. I've heard that show. Oh, right. And it's, and I love that show. I <laughs> love it. And, and I would just, and they're like an hour, hour and a half long, these shows. And I'd just right. sit there and watch them one after another, just because they're really interesting. But I mean, if you're, if you, if you try and get me to watch, I don't know, some Italian political thing, you know, I'll be asleep in like five minutes. Right. You know. So if it's not going to hold your interest, don't bother. Right. right. And I, I tell people that. Like, people ask me, well, why are you so addicted to Harry Potter? And I said, well, I like to read. And I've read a lot of books over the years, not just Harry Potter. 
But Harry Potter is in just about every language there is. And so I have Harry Potter in a lot of different languages. And what I like to do with Harry Potter is I like to compare the different writing styles and from the different languages and see how they kind of, you know, agree or disagree with each other. Writing style, you know, the characters, all that type of stuff. And well, so, I gotta say, I I I have a love hate, mostly hate relationship with Harry Potter. Like I read all of the first ones in English. And then I read them all again in Italian, and I read them all again in French. And by the time I got to the end of the French one, I was really sick of Harry Potter. Like, I'm no interest in, in, so I, I have no intention of reading Harry Potter in any language ever again. <laughs> oh, you should see my collection. People were so nice to give me stuff for free, and I bought other stuff. But I have it in Japanese audio. I have it in Arabic ebook. <laughs> I know, I've got a friend of mine who has, he's got it in every language you can think of, like German and French and Spanish and English and blah, 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 blah. And I'm saying to him, well, have you read them all? And he's like, well, no. <laughs> well, I, I, I do need to get it in Swahili and I do need to get it in Irish. All uh, right. Yeah, it is translated in a lot of languages. But I mean, like when I did uh, Setswana, I was reading yeah. the Bible. Because the Bible is pretty much in every language as well. You can get a copy of the Bible in, in pretty much everything. Or, right. You know, or or um, but or the Quran. You can get that in pretty much everything as well. But but I was because I struggled to find books. Um, I did find uh, a copy of the Bible. So I was going through the sort of Old Testament um, in Setswana. But there's a lot. I mean, I don't know if your listeners, you know, struggle for if you're if you're studying a minority language, like a small language, right? Polynesian or something uh, or, you know, Catalan or whatever. You, you know, if you're struggling to find resources, you can almost always find a copy of the Bible in that language. somewhere, right. And and it's always helpful because you're familiar with the stories. You know, we are all all sort of familiar with Moses and, you know, we're all, you know, so, you know, Adam and Eve and all of that. So we're all really familiar with that. And so it's not a great leap to go through the the Bible. Um, You might struggle a bit with the New Testament, but I think the Old Testament, everybody knows the stories. Uh, And I I found that very Mm -hmm. useful. Sorry. Oh, a friend of mine um, who's uh, legally blind, she's mostly high partial mm-hmm. she um married a russian and her child's russian and so she speaks english russian and french mm-hmm. and we were talking and she said that's how i learned the languages that i learned i learned russian and french from reading the bible yeah, yeah. and i said I'm lucky if I got through the Bible once in English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it, I mean, it just depends. I mean, but sometimes you, you, you take what you can get. I mean, if it's a fig, like, you know, the, right. the major languages, you can find Harry Potter and every other thing you'd ever want to read in those right. languages. But right. if you're doing something like Haitian Creole or, you know, some of the sort of minority languages, 
Yeah, you're going to really struggle to find literature. Um, right. But, you know, it's funny you say that because now a lot of people are starting to want to really get into indigenous languages and they want to get into the eastern languages a lot more and the mm. sub-Saharan languages and the African languages and India, Indian languages. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think that's great because no offense to Europe at all, but there's so many other languages. Well, there's a lot of languages. And I yeah. don't have any intention of learning them all. <laughs> yeah, I, because I, I found myself going to the East. Yeah. So, so Turkish and Hindi and Swahili and Arabic and Cantonese, Thai and Japanese are my favorites. Well, my wife wants to go to Korea. So I was toying with the idea of learning some tourist Korean, um, but not like, you know. Not in anger. Not well. You know. If you want, you want something quick. Just do the foundation course of like Korean off of Michelle Thomas. It's real self-explanatory. Yeah, I mean that's the sort of thing I might do before I go. So you know, I I don't want to really go to the country without actually not and not know yeah. anything. You know, I yeah, want to know a little bit anyway. Yeah, Mango Languages is another. They have a ten chapter Korean course. It's and 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 their ten chapter courses. Mm. They say that on the European framework, it's like A1. Yeah. So you'll be able to get by. You'll be able to go shopping. You'll be able to order food. You'll be able to do all that. Yeah, I mean, that's all I really need, like touristy sort of stuff. I'm not, you know. Or if you want to go to to koreanclass.com on innovative language, you can do their stuff, too. And, you know, it, it... Especially the line by line audio is really good. Um, well, the the gathering next year is meant to be in Poland, and I'm yes. to- I'm toying with the idea of doing uh, listening reading in Polish. I did say I was going to do it last time, but I lucked out and they COVID nineteen stopped me from going. <laughs> uh, well, I from what I heard, they really do want to make sure that it can happen next year. I mean, everybody wants to make sure that the events that they had to push back mm. because of COVID-19, um, they want to make sure they can do. Even people here in the U.S. that have events, they're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm supposed to go to New Orleans next year. And I'm like, um, let's see how <laughs> this goes because I'm not going to put money down any, on anything. And I'm really happy because this year people had to come out their comfort zones, and I noticed that. Um, okay. You know, they didn't want to have to do a conference online, but they did a conference online, and it, it it was more positive results than negative. I think people were apprehensive because they had never done it before, and they didn't realize how much work it would take. But the the organizers of the Polyglot Gathering did a really good job in a very short period of time. Oh, this is an amazing job, yeah. And it was yeah. and it was really quick. I mean they had they only had a probably a month to notice. Right. You know, it was weeks of notice they had to get this right. whole thing organized, get right. all of the speakers sorted out, get all of the tickets sold, get all I mean it was just amazing. It was phenomenal what they did. And it all worked. Which right. you know that's the I mean, amazing. I, I attended it for twenty one bucks. I was like, Yes. You know, and I really was proud of myself because it was the second polyglot event that I ever attended online. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of cool because I love their chat rooms. 
where yeah. you got to speak different languages. And I went in their Arabic just to see how much Arabic and the little bit of Arabic I had studied for, like, I don't know, I think it was like six months. I yeah. was understanding what they were saying. You it's know? always cool when that happens, isn't it? It's like you get that, yeah, cool. But I, I really knew I was fluent and, and freaking daggone Spanish when they were speaking in Spain about all kinds of stuff. And then we went to Mexico room and I can understand them too. I'm like, oh, well, this is so, um, you know, this is a no brainer. <laughs> okay. I, I can't really count Spanish as a de facto language. You know, I know it. Yeah. So, I mean, I wish they would have had Russian. I didn't see Russian. I would have gone in there. They not? I thought they had a Russian room. I didn't, but I don't do Russian. So I, I didn't really yeah. look. But, um, I, I, because I'm I'm actually waiting to review the Spanish Michelle Thomas courses and the the Polish ones um, until next year, right before. Yeah. Um, the conference. Right, and then that way, you know, I could, you know, I I already like extended invitations out to the people who created the Korean course, the Polish mm. course, all these different courses. And um, eventually I'm going to be interviewing Harold Goodman, who did the Mandarin courses. But wow. I'm going to go through in intermediate Mandarin and the voca- uh, vocabulary Mandarin before I even interview him, because I want to be able to have an in-depth conversation about how he did all of it. And, you know, what I mean, because like I told someone recently, um, you learn so much when you're interviewing the people who created the courses how they marketed and advertised it, how they got the students to participate, you know, how long did it take for this to happen? You know, I mean, I'm going to be honest, a lot of people's podcasts, you don't hear about that. No. So I said, I'm going to do that because no one else is doing it, you know. And I've interviewed a lot of people. I've interviewed Sue Hart, who, um, you know, had worked with Michelle Thomas. On, mm-hmm. on the first four courses, and then um, uh, Sarah Cole, the uh, publishing editor of, of The Method, I interviewed her, and I'm collaborating with her right now, doing affiliate marketing stuff. And then, you know, I've just interviewed a whole bunch of people for the different courses that I've, you know, the Irish course and Japanese, and there's a few others that I've interviewed. I mean, there's a lot of other people I need to interview. But um, I want to get the people who did the Arabic course, the Korean course, um, and because some of these languages, uh, you know, you you have um, a story there. You know, I mean, now they already did Egyptian Arabic and, and modern standard. I wonder if they're going to do. Levantine Arabic. I wonder if they're going to do Iraqi Arabic and um, Moroccan Arabic to complete it. Yeah. Because it's good to do two different dialects, but if you have the whole gamut of of, of the courses, then that way you have a variety. And I know it takes about 18 months. You know, I was going to say, thing. it takes a long time to produce all of this, and plus you have to have all of the native speakers as well, you know. Right, right, right. I mean, like, it takes time for them to write the script. Then they have to go through a committee of people. Then they have to approve what they want to approve. Then they have the notes they give you. Then you go back and you do revisions. Then they go back and you do this a couple times. And then once they finish approving it, then you can go find the students. 
You have to have an American student and a student from Great Britain. And then you do the recording, which is from nine to five, and then you get like breaks in between. Mm. And you do that for four days. Then after you do that for four days, then the hard part comes. You gotta do all that editing. So do they uh, fly people over from the UK to do it? <laughs> um I see. I'll go. <laughs> um oh you all you gotta do is go to London. Actually, I would I would struggle really, wouldn't I? What would they do with with a with an oddball like me, an American with an English? Well, wait a minute! They had <laughs> they had Anthony Lauder for the Greek. Really? Yes, he's on the Greek recording. I didn't realize that. Yes, and Ollie Richards is on the um, Korean one. <laughs> yeah, and Ollie actually did say that was like the the roughest four days of his life. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's not used to learning at such a rapid speed. Right, right. I told I told Sarah Call, I said, if you guys want me to, I will come and do it. Yeah. Let me do it. Let me do it. Just make sure did the language I have. Language or did you get a they just randomly assign it to you? That's because it'd be my uh, life. I'd, I'd get something I I no interest in whatsoever. Yeah. Well, well, see, I think it's random. Right. Because it's something that you've never learned before. Oh yeah, I suspect that's the criteria, isn't it? You have to have not you know, you have to not already know it. Right. Now, I mean if it's something I really have never learned, like mm. hey, I'll I'll take it. Yeah, why not? I I mean hey, it's an experience you'll never you'll get a copy of it probably anyway. Um, well and and the fact that you get four days of training. Right. You know. And, I mean, they actually walk you through it. And I will say that when you're working, when you're doing, like, Mandarin, the Mandarin course, you know, they actually have a gesture system inside of the course where they they use your 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 hand and all your fingers in your hand to, you know, go up or down or, you know, because of the tones. Oh, because and, that. and, oh, and they want you to work out the tones. And, I mean... The pronunciation is very important in a lot of these languages. And and some people fail to realize that they just think you can just learn a language just like that. It doesn't work like that. No, Arabic, for instance, yeah. you have to go in the back of the throat. You gotta go in the in the stomach area for a lot of the sounds. It's not just something that you can just reproduce just like that. It takes time. And I've even told people in regards to reviewing these courses that you will find you will go back over it multiple times. Don't think you're going to get everything out of it the first time you do it. Yeah, it's a bit funny because they tell you not to not to not to study anything, but like uh, you basically go back through it again and again, don't you? Um. Well, if I pick it up the first time around, um, you know, I let it sit in my head for a little while. I'll throw it up on a video so I can get feedback from people, mm. and I'll throw it up on Facebook and see what someone tells me. And then I was like, wow, this is pretty good. You need to work on this. Okay, thanks. See, that's something I, I never really did that. I never did one of the sort of talking head videos on, on YouTube because I was never really well, – well, a lot of language exchanges. I always have the opportunity to speak with someone, you know. Right. So I join I groups on Facebook mm. for my target language. So if I know I'm going to study it, I'm going to join a group. And then I'm going to make friends. And then I'm going to say I'm at the beginning, and I'm going to ask, can I record this? Because this is easier for me. I'm not someone that likes to read words. And yeah. I find a lot of these people, they like to type in the language all the time. 
I'm like, I don't want to read this. I want to hear what you have to say verbally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. Although, you know, with the, with me, um, when I do the language exchanges, quite frequently people just type the correction in the chat window. Right. Because I use Skype, you know. Right, and, right. But for me, that's a great resource because I go back later and I put all of those into my Anki deck flashcards. Right. You know, so that I, I get that. And it's never, they never type in, well, they do, but rarely type in a single word. They'll type in the whole sentence that I've messed up. <laughs> and so right. I've got sentence to put in the card and i find that really useful when i do reviews you know it's funny you say that because when i was talking to my ex-boyfriend in russian i would i would use um a certain word in russian all the time and yeah. he i i wanted to say sort hmm. which is sort of hmm. yeah yeah i said something i used a different word he's like oh no you don't use that word you use this word Mm. And, like, because he was verbally correcting me, I was able to mentally map in my head yeah. where to put that word. Right. So, for me, it was easier for me to take notes mentally in my head than to ha- type it all out. I oh. knew that my Russian, my Russian writing sucked because I yeah. had a lot of dictation. And when I'm dictating, theory doesn't always want to work right. And then people <laughs> assume you're less educated than what you really are. And I'm like... I'm using dictation. This stuff don't work. I told you that already. So, actually, that's I, I, that's one of the things I try to do for uh, pronunciation practice. Actually, is if you get like um, like if you got an Android phone, you mm-hmm. can you can use the um, the keyboard. You can talk mm-hmm. to the keyboard, but if you right. change it to your keyboard to like French, right? Mm-hmm. You can talk into the keyboard in French, right? And, and if it types it out correctly. Then you're pronouncing it right, but if if you get some gibberish, right. yeah, <laughs> I do that. Like I have keyboards for every language that I am learning. The only thing that ticks me off is that Arabic. They only have modern standard Arabic. They don't have mm-hmm. the other dialects, which suck. Because um, I'm I'm mostly focusing on Levantine and Egyptian, but the vocabulary does overlap each other. Yeah, there might be certain words like for and is ooh in Levantine Arabic and way is 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 Arabic for um for um Egyptian Arabic and the rest of the you know mm. yeah the dialects. But if you're talking about ehna, that's we, but nuhna is we and and um le, uh, modern standard. So. You, a lot of it is very um, um, similar. Some of the words are similar, yeah. they overlap, and then there's certain words where you just have to remember this is what. And I'm able to do that. I don't, I try not to get the um, the words mixed up with the dialect, of course not. But, I mean, it is a lot to remember, but it really isn't a lot to remember, you know, because you're just picking up more vocabulary. You know, the grammar is the same and the indirect and direct object pronouns are the same. You know, it's just certain vocabulary that's different. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to know, like, manager, modia, hmm. for male, modira, for female, you know, you know. So it's, 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 it's what it is. And I, I mean, I actually enjoy it because, I'm able to learn more, 
you know, it, it, I get excited about that. But um, overall, like, that's just like in, in Swedish, Inta, Inta is, is um, like it, I believe, but Ika is the same thing in Norwegian. So, well, yeah. so it's, 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 you know, you, you have certain, uh, certain words that are very similar. They use similar words. Like, if you learn Swedish, you pretty much can understand Danish and Norwegian. Well, it's like, you know, if you learn, if you learn Italian, you get Spanish half price, they say. Right. Well, that's just like with, but you know, it's funny because someone said, oh, well, how can you not get all those languages mixed up? They're so similar. Okay, tener is to have in in, in in Spanish, but tener is to build in French. Okay. Well, guess what? It's not that hard. Tardy, Somebody will tell you if you confuse them. <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, because I'm fluent in Spanish and I'm, you know, passively, I can read and understand the news and everything else and even Les Miserables in French. Yeah. Um I mean, but because 60% of it's English, all you have to do is just remember the pronunciation and the grammar. Yeah. You're pretty much good to go with French. Yeah, just mispronounced English, really, isn't it? <laughs> and then if you want to talk about German, that's even more, a lot more easier because German is similar to English. And, and like, I listened to Rammstein for, like, 20 years constantly. And so I actually was able to understand a conversation between two German speakers, and I don't speak a lick of German. But because I had that much exposure to the language on a consistent basis, it was easy for me to be able to pick up what they were saying. So I think a lot of it is, you know, passively. I have a lot of languages where I'm really strong at understanding what they're saying mm. without having to really have a conversation. And then the rest of them are, I dabbled, like, I dabbled in a little bit of Turkish and Thai, a little bit of Hindi. But I find here in Akron, since we have such a global community, I rather speak like Cantonese, Japanese, Thai, um, uh, Arabic, Russian, French. You know, I rather speak those languages than, you know, okay, I, I'm not going to really speak Spanish that much because I'm not around. I'm around this group of people. So right now, my goal for my own language purposes is I want to be able to speak at a upper intermediate level by January 2022. Well, that's doable, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm about to give my, myself that much time. Yeah. Just because I want to be able to have that as language number five that's um, a language I put my heart and soul into instead of I just dabbled. So, yeah, well, but, I find dabbling is a bit of a bit of a nightmare, really, isn't it? Because well, well, it is because then you see other people, you get influenced by what the heck they're doing, and then you forget what the heck you're doing. And yeah, I've seen that a lot. I've seen a lot of people where oh, well, I want to speak thirty languages. Okay, well, you can do that in about thirty years. Just choose a language a year, you'll be all right. Yeah, big one. Well, that's an interesting. My, I have a friend of mine uh, who I met at one of the polyglot gatherings, Andrew, and he's about oh, he's in his late seventies, I think, or maybe early seventies. But anyway, when he was young, he was in the. His father was in the 
diplomatic corps in the UK. And um, his father said to him, you, you should learn a language every year. You should try and learn a language every year. So since the age of 10, he's learned a language every year. Um, and he did say to me, like a lot of them, he forgot because he didn't keep at it, you know. But some mm-hmm. of them, because he was using them more often, like French and German or whatever, um, he the, he continued to build on that year's basis, you know. Mm-hmm. He just kept accumulating more and more of the language because he kept using it. But he also learned uh, Urdu. And he speaks Urdu a lot because there's lots of people here uh, in the UK who who speak Urdu. And, um, you know, so he's he's got a few, like, five or ten languages that he's really, really, really fluent at, like, super fluent, um, just because he uses them all the time. But he always, every year, picks a new language that he's not done before, and he tries to learn it. And I think that's a sort of an admirable thing. But, you know, he's been doing that since he's ten, and he's in his late 70s, so he's he's learned... Like, you know, 60, 65 languages already. <laughs> well, you know, that's just like Moses McCormick. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know him. Well, that not. man, that man is brilliant. The dedication he puts in to learning those languages is just beyond belief. Yeah, he he really goes to town, doesn't he? Well, I, I, I'm still trying to get him on the show, actually. Um, I, I mean, I've been following him for five years. I mean, the guy is cool as what, but yeah. you know, it's kind of funny because he actually goes out and he, he goes to these different places and speaks bits of this and this and this and this, but he really does put the time in. Like he actually said what his schedule was and it was so amazing. Like he'll spend four hours on one, in, on one language in the morning. Then he'll speak, like have some speaking practice. Then he'll do the other four hours before he went to bed with with the other language. And so he'll do like a Monday, Wednesday for two different languages and a Tuesday, Thursday for the others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got an insane schedule, that fella. Yeah, and um, like, you know, someone asked me, well, how do you learn this stuff at such a rapid speed? I said, well, see, it's a little bit different. I'm reviewing these courses for a company. So I'm taking the time to learn the stuff in like a couple days and then I'm giving my my viewpoint on it. Now, that doesn't mean that I remember everything that I learned. Okay, it's going in my head and it may be or may not may not be there after it's all said and done. So uh that just depends on how motivated I was. You see what I'm saying? So if I want to remember it, I will. If I don't, okay, that's fine. I, I learned a bit of it. I, you know, I gave my opinion on it. Now it's up to you if you want to, you know, change learn it. this particular language based off my recommendation or not. You know, um, I, I didn't want to be one of those people where I pigeonholed myself, where people just learn certain languages and that was it. You know, yeah. I wanted to say, hey, I, I did every course in this entire company. <laughs> so you have an option of, of what you want to, you know, utilize from that. But I'll be the first to sit there and say, I don't remember everything. I remember this much, you know. Yeah, everybody, you can't remember everything, can you? Right. Listen, you know, I'm going to have to go. <laughs> Thank you. 
so much. No worries. It was really good to talk to you. I really enjoyed it. Yes. I can't wait to hear you guys' next episode, whenever that is. <laughs> well, this is always the thing. Never knowing. It's it's Dave's schedule. He's a nightmare, that fella. He's, try, he's trying to, like, herd a, herd a cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. isn't he in Oregon now or something? Yeah, he's moved out west. He used to, he was, he was, he was in Virginia for a while and now he's moved out to Oregon. I think he's staying there for another year or so, but then right. he might move somewhere else because he flits about a bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whereas right, I always you. just stay in the same place all the time. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming. No problem. It was really interesting and you're doing a really great job. Thank you so much. Right. Well, good luck with your language learning, and I'll talk to you soon, I hope. Okay. All right. Bye. Ciao.